Hi, everyone, and welcome again to another episode of the Effective Teaching Podcast. Today, we have um, Kelly Pfeiffer with us from Dubbo Distance Ed, because today we're going to be talking all about remote learning and distance ed, given the current issues around us uh, with coronavirus. So thank you so much for joining me again, Kelly. This is you're my first repeat uh, oh. person for my, for my podcast. I feel very privileged. <laughs> <laughs> So can you just tell us a little bit about your role maybe to start with and what Mm -hmm. you do um, and the fact that you do this all day, every day? Yes. No, um, my role at WO Distance Ed is I'm head teacher futures learning. So that is, people go, what is that exactly? So I'm a trained PDHPE teacher, but in this role I've had to work across primary and secondary Um, and just look at different ways of innovating, um, different learning, hopefully to get more depth from our students. So the best practice we've found for that has been through project-based learning, but we also deliver our day-to-day learning um, across the curriculum um, via distance ed, and our teachers at our school are very resourceful, very dynamic, and um, have a variety of ways in which they do it. And essentially that all comes back to um, what is the best fit for our learners, but also what they have access to as well. So it's uh, always um, ever-changing environment. Yeah, yeah. I imagine a lot of teachers listen to this and just go on, what, you do project-based learning by distance? I mean, most people get project-based learning as a headache anyway, and they think online learning is a headache. Mm-hmm. And you're just combining those two to make things as difficult as possible for yourself at the sounds of it. <laughs> yes, every time we do it. So we've probably been doing it for the last four or five years now. Um, our team of teachers, when we come together, go, look, you could not try and do this any in a more difficult context if you tried. So just in that middle bit where there's usually a bit of a lull, everyone's going, oh, no, you know, will it work, won't it work, that type of thing. Yeah, I always remind them of that fact, Dan, so you're exactly right there. Very <laughs> complicated (laughs) okay so you do online distance type learning all the time so can you tell us then so if we're about to have to do that or I know everyone is really getting prepped for it so everyone's Mm -hmm. been told to prep probably about two weeks worth of work at this point um so as they go about this prepping what Mm -hmm. do they need to think about um The things to think about would be, first of all, what do your students have access to in regards to technology? So that would come back to like their data plans, um, what you have at your school that you can access, um, what your principals and directors will support in terms of that. Um, Once you have that sorted, um, whatever platform you choose to create and deliver your material on, I would definitely have a test classroom that you can see what the students see. A lot of platforms now do have a student view, what you can see, but also too, it just allows the teacher to better able to navigate the students through um, how to access the learning because it's one thing to have all our curriculum ready and looks awesome and it's ready to go but we make probably a big assumption that our kids are digital natives and they're not I would say that they're digital natives when it comes to all things social media but when it comes to various online platforms they can actually really really struggle don't get me wrong they pick it up really quick but that comes back to how well the teacher can navigate them through that So I would probably say get access to like a Screencast-O-Matic or Google Screencastify so you can actually 
Um, so get in a test classroom or get in a, a platform that has a student view and navigate, make a video navigating the kids through the different steps to actually access their learning. So that would be my biggest tip for starting off um, in that. But other one would probably be, if possible, become a team teacher in your online platform because what happens then is um, teachers can bounce off each other, learn from each other. Um, I never turn my notifications off because that's kind of like when I'm on playground duty. So kids get very good at navigating the systems quite quickly, but sometimes they may not use it responsibly. Um, so I never turn my notifications off in my email. A lot of times I can just delete, 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 but I'm getting a snapshot really quick of who's doing what and how they're doing it. So I kind of liken my notifications to being on playground duty, even though my students aren't in a face-to-face -face context. Do you do that too for all the ones that you're team teaching? So that that's not just you've got all these classrooms that are all coming to you. I do know what that's like because I, I was doing that recently with my Google classrooms and I was the second teacher on every single classroom across my school uh, <laughs> and it meant my email got filled up a lot. I was quite thankful when I went back through that you can actually now in Google Classroom just turn off your notifications via yes. my classroom, whereas it used to be you had to just turn off all the notifications at once and that that was a bit of, bit of a hindrance. So it's good. I, I think that's... Great. I think that's a good tip because it does give you good insight into what's actually happening in those classrooms when those yeah, emails a lot are of, Yeah, a lot of teachers do turn them off and I've got no issue with that because um, at the moment we've restructured our stage um, four, starting with year seven. So I've just left all my notifications on for that just so I can see. So sometimes our students aren't as responsible as we'd like them to be. And that just comes back to a whole being a good digital citizen. So depending on the year group that you're teaching, I would run them through a how to be a good digital citizen as my first port of call before you would run any other curriculum areas. So you want to equip them with the skills and the knowledge to hopefully leave a good positive digital footprint. All right, so let's switch away from the tech. We'll come back to tech later, I think, uh, and talk about how we actually go about setting ourselves up for success. So we talked about, you know, testing that classroom um, or maybe even making yourself a student in your own classroom uh, using a, just a different email or something. Mm -hmm. uh, team teaching, uh, working smarter and not harder. How do, how do teachers go about making sure that they are not just massively overworked by this how, how do they go about making sure that with these two weeks worth of work that they've got to prep or once they actually have to maybe deliver something online how do they make sure that they're not just suddenly swamped with an enormous amount of work yeah um just yeah look at the platforms that are out there and um this can be really tricky because i know say in the departments year 11 and 12 have access to youtube so there's people that are creating really high quality youtube materials in regards to delivering curriculum um but also too there's a platform called quizlet where students and teachers can make up sets of cards for study tools so there's amazing resources there but once you go outside of the things that you're creating, 
um, that comes back to a quality control then. So I would definitely say even though um, people will be swamped planning, definitely take the time to watch the videos, make sure they're hitting the dot points that you need, especially for your seniors, um, and just have a bit of quality control. And I know there's a lot of um, networks that have set up. There's an excellent primary resource Facebook site called, I think, On Butterfly Wings, and it's amazing for primary Um teachers if they want to get on that Facebook if they're not already they'd be all over that lots of resources a really positive supportive group and for secondary I know with the different KLAs um, say with PDHPE there's a CAFS um, wiki site um, and lots of resources that exist out there so just you know um, hit up teachers in other schools find out what they're doing use connections that type of thing and find the work that already exists um, but yeah that comes back to a bit of quality control there as well yeah you spoke a bit there about stage six and stuff and um, those kinds of resources what about if you have to do this with little kids like primary school kids what kind of tips would you give to the primary school teacher if they're, they're going to have primary kids at home doing distance learning what's what, what do they need I had just lots of organisation and that's the thing about being a distance education teacher. The more organised you can be, um, the easier it is going to make your life as well. So what we do in our primary school, our primary are all on Google Classroom. Um, so the kids all know that they're not alone and they're working as a class group. But they also send out a lot of packages because with We Go Preschool, um, all the way up to year 12 and that comes back to lots of hands-on activities um, whether it's even your art or your reading and all that kind of stuff so being organized and I know lots of teachers have already got their scope and sequences so they know what they're going to do but now it's an actual thing of pulling all those resources together in you know a pack for 30 kids in your class and then being able to register it in the mail and send it off and that's assuming that the mail's still going to be working in regards to the coronavirus, but in saying that some of our kids and their locations, um, it takes a month for the work to get to them when we mail it to them. So, um, yeah, you have to be quite resourceful with that. But I just think distance education teachers um, and to prepare for it as well, you have to have a good presence online. And it sounds a little bit ridiculous, but you always have to have like know where your camera is when you're looking and talking to the kids. A lot of the time we get stuck and looking down and pressing buttons and finding stuff, but it doesn't make a very good quality experience for the people watching. So it's really important. Sometimes, you know, you might get cardboard cut out of eyeballs or a little lego man and blue tack it to actually where the camera is to make sure you keep looking at the kids so there's lots of little hints and tips to go with that as well yeah yeah beautiful and then obviously uh with little ones if they're at home not generally their parents are at home how do you mm -hmm. go about utilizing parents with their learning your parents have to be really active supervisors. So when you sign up to a distance school, there has to be an allocated supervisor. Um, that could be a parent or it could be a grandparent or it could be a carer, whoever it is, but they need to be quite active in the supervision. Um, so I would highly recommend getting a routine, whether it is primary or up to secondary, and having a really active interest in what the kids are doing and making sure that the teachers usually send out excellent instructions on how to do it, whether that be via Google Classroom platform or actually in um, the package of work that gets sent out. But don't make the assumption that you can kind of relax as a supervisor when your kids get into high school. Yes, they're more independent, 
but also to when they move on to, say, um, a more full-time digital platform, there's still activities that can be sent out in paper resources and activities, art books, science kits, all that kind of thing. But it's then a matter of um, really becoming an active supervisor, having them work in a public space, don't have them working in a room or where you can't see them. At the end of the day, ask, look, can you show me the online work that you have completed? Because sometimes they'll just return it without doing any work in it. Um, so as a parent supervisor, whether your um, little ones are doing their thing or you've got the older ones, just make it a big routine. Set it up like a school day type of thing and have the little breaks in between to get um, give you a break but also the students as well. Yes. I remember chatting to you about this before. You were talking about the importance of making sure that you have some kind of like timetable essentially set up for your week like you would kind of normally have at a, at a school, I guess, but... Uh, I guess with the distance or remote learning type situation, you want that to be still in place um, and you still want to have your breaks, like you were saying. So in those breaks, do you disappear then in the sense of <laughs> so that's it. That's a really good question. So um, originally our distance ed was set up that we have single course students which are at different schools so we timetable them first because they have a timetable and they're locked in and then we timetable our full-time students because they've got more flexibility. So this year in um, our stage four we have timetabled the students to have rather that one-on-one -on -one lesson we can have you know 10 students on zoom 10 students on satellite and we're all teaching them team teaching at the same time so um with that, the timetable has worked well. It's taken a little bit to get that structure and routine, but what we try and do is have like a face-to-face -face learning experience where we're challenging the kids' thinking. We're just not deliver delivering the explicit material, but we're really challenging their thinking, pushing them to step outside the box with their thinking. And then after um, the hour's lesson, we then leave the work, that's the follow-up work for them to do type of thing. And then they might have recess, then we have the next lesson for an hour block. Um, so, yeah, so with our timetable, there is that teaching time and interaction time. Then they have the individual um, stuff that they do. Um, but, yeah, to fill up a week's worth of work, you've got to be really organised and know kind of who's doing what at what point in time and to get that flow across um, effect as well with the kids. Yeah, yeah, no, that sounds like really good advice there. That's it. It's obviously going to be slightly different too with mm. um, yeah, your students are coming and need to get used to the idea of a more timetabled uh, kind of system, whereas our students generally will be used to it, particularly if they're high school, they'll definitely be used to it. Primary school uh, probably are used to it but don't know necessarily yeah. that that's what's going on. Um, and mm -hmm. so maybe just making sure that's more explicit in those uh, online learning settings or in the paper that gets sent home to parents mm. and stuff to actually say this is the timetable for the week so yeah this is when we're doing maths this is when we're going to do uh reading or this is when we're going to do TAS or whatever yeah. it is that that has to go on that's that's good okay so we've talked about how to set yourself up and how to get things going so obviously making sure you have your curriculum which uh we generally should have anyway but then just slightly adapting that making sure we're sticking to our timetables making sure that we uh, well pre prepared that we've actually had a look if we're using tech that we've had a look at how that works and showing our students what it looks like from the back end and teaching them particularly about online uh, behavior and yeah that's one of the reasons why we both love google is that it's really easy to see all the stuff that's going on uh, online and then 
yeah, the idea of team teaching, I think, is really good too, making sure that there's at least two teachers who have access to your class, but particularly because you can still get sick. You can still be at the point where you can't actually do online teaching. I know you have to be a lot more sick uh, mm-hmm. to... <laughs> to not be able to do that. Uh, but still, you, if you're in that situation, you want another teacher to be able to jump into your class and see everything that's uh, been going on and be able to take over for you. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's really good. And obviously using other people's resources as well as making your own, uh, it's all fantastic. And I'm pretty sure I have no doubt that you know, a lot of the distant schools around our state at the moment are sharing a lot of their resources uh, as the DOE tends to do that and pull on what's available already before they create new stuff. Thanks, everyone, for coming along and listening to the Effective Teaching Podcast. This is only part one of a three-part series on remote learning, so please make sure you come back soon to enjoy the rest of what Kelly has to share with us. I'm Dan, and you can catch me at teacherspd.net. Thank you.